the best way to move on is to tell a joke. I already shared this joke once this week with Linda, and I wasn't sure if I would share it with you, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you because it's pretty funny, and Linda's already giggling at it. So there's an elderly couple. Both of them are 80 years old, a husband and a wife. And God come down one day and spoke to the wife and said, you know what, you have been so loving toward me and so obedient that I'm going to give you anything that you want. All you have to do is ask. So the wife thought about it for a second, and she said, I've got everything in life that I ever wanted, but it sure would be nice to have some financial security. So God said, you know what? For you, I'm going to do that. And he snapped his finger, and boom, she was financially secure. She had no more financial worries to worry about for the rest of her life. And he looked to the husband, who was also 80 years old, and says, you know what? You've not been as obedient as your wife has. But she's put up with you for all these years. So on her behalf, I am going to grant you one thing that you want. So he thought about it for a second. And he turned to God and he said, I want a wife that is 40 years younger than me. So God thought about it for a second. He scratched his head. He goes, you know what? I'm going to grant that to you. He snapped his finger and boom, the 80-year-old man became 120 years old. There we go. So there we go. Lighten things back up. You ever go on a trip with your kids? I, know, I don't know if they still do it. Isabel does it with us. I did it when I was a kid. That, that any time we set out to go on a vacation, and it was a long trip, we were excited when we first got into the car. But that excitement began to wear off after about 100 miles. And then we started asking that question, are we there yet? And it would aggravate mom and dad. They couldn't stand it. You know, after about the fifth time they asked, they would tell us, yes, we're almost there. And Isabel does that with us also. But she's got to where she knows the names of the cities. Are we in Thompson yet? No, we're not in Thompson yet. Well, how close are we to Thompson? And when we finally get close to Thompson, we say we're, we're close to Thompson. Then she gets excited because we're almost at that landmark that she knows. And I think Israel was like that sometimes as they went through their wilderness walking. That they left Egypt, that they, they wanted to make it to the promised land, a, a journey that should have taken no more than two weeks, but had taken 40 years. And I can only imagine the celebration when they heard the words, we're almost there. Today's passage of Scripture will be coming from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. For the Lord your God has, that is not the right slide, so I'm going to read off from here. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted that mountain for many days, and the Lord spoke to me, saying, you have skirted these mountains long enough. Turn northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren and the descendants of Esau who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourself carefully and do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. And you shall buy food from them with money that you may eat. 
and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. For those 40 years the Lord God has been with you, you have lacked nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you during this time of the worship service. Ask that you be with me. Give me guidance and direction. Father God, give me words of hope and inspiration, especially on this day that we celebrate our independence. Father, take from me any desire to speak a word of my own. Let your spirit fill me and speak words that would only come from your throne. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Freedom is the word that we're looking at today. Freedom is one of those words that, that means a lot to us, but not really sure what it is that it means sometimes because we use it so much. And freedom can be expressed in many different circumstances. But I think the simplest way of understanding freedom is to know that when I am free, I am no longer oppressed. I'm not oppressed by sin in my life because the sacrifice that Christ made for me on the cross set me free, gave me the ability to think and act on my own, to empower me spiritually to be more than what I am. And to be free means that I have the opportunity to do what I want to without somebody constantly telling me what it is that I need to do. And I think that when I think about Israel and their time in the wilderness, that, that that's the freedom that they were wanting, not only as a group, but as individuals, because they were being led from, from one point of the world into another point that was to be their promised land, the, the land that they were told that would be flowing with milk and honey. But before they got there, they, they had to undergo discipline. You see, let me tell you why it was the journey took 40 years instead of two weeks. Because on the initial approach of the land, after they left Egypt, they went straight to the promised land with no problem. And they sent spies into the land to see what the land was like. And those spies came back and the majority of them came to Moses and said that the land is just what God said it was going to be. That it's full of fruit and it's full of food and the, the, green, the grass is green. And there's prosperity there. But then they said that there are people there also. And we don't know that we can conquer those people. And it was because of that doubt that God kept them in the wilderness. You see, what they didn't understand was God led them out of bondage in Egypt. He defeated Pharaoh's army. He parted the Red Sea that they can cross into safety. And when they got to the edge of the promise, Instead of remembering the power of God from the past, they looked at present circumstances and said, we can't do it. Their lack of faith in God, their inability, not God's inability to move forward, is what kept them from moving into the promise. 
Out of all the spies, only one came back with a good report, and that was Joshua, the son of Nun. But his faith alone wasn't enough to save Israel from 40 years in the wilderness. But the day came after all their wandering, after all their discipline, after all God's teaching, that God turned to them and said to Moses, this is what I want you to do. You've been in the land of Seir long enough. You have circled this mountain long enough. In other words, what he is saying is this. That in these 40 years, I have walked with you and I have talked with you. I've shown you my mercy and my grace and I have taught you about my power and my ability to perform miracles. You have learned to trust in me. You have learned to, to look at opposition with positive influence and knowing that you have the ability to overcome. But to me, one of the most important lessons was this. That apart from all the riches of the world and all the blessings that, that God bestows upon us, that you have learned to be content and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, even when the circumstances look dark, and even when provision was light. But the time has come. You have become the people that I, I want you to be and I need you to be. And you have become the people who can handle the blessings that I have before you on the other side of the Jordan River. The time has come to now turn north and head to that blessing. I couldn't imagine hearing the roar of the crowd as Moses put those words out. To hear the celebration and feel the excitement of the people celebrating and saying, yes, we're finally going to the promise. We're finally coming out of the wilderness. We're on our way home. We're moving towards freedom. But here's what we need to understand about where they're at and where they're going to. Because, see, there's times in our lives when we come to understand that, that our days of discipline, at least for this part of our life, are over. That we become the people that God needs us to be and that we are prepared for the blessing that he, that he has for us. That, that as we hear the words that, that it's time, Alpha United Methodist Church, to turn northward and move towards your promise. It is important to understand that those are words to be excited about. But you're not quite there yet. You see, God gives us some instruction for how we should be and what we should do as we move northward toward the promise. 
He told Israel that, that as you move northward, you're going to be going through the land that I gave to Esau. Now, if you don't remember Esau from your old Sunday school days, let me tell you a little bit about him. Esau was one of Isaac's sons. One of two brothers that were born twins, Jacob and Esau. And when Esau was born, he, he was the first one born. And Jacob, his brother, the, one I, I, the only words that I can describe him by is this, as a con artist. And that's just the truth about who Jacob was. That as Esau come out, he latched on to Esau, symbolizing that no matter where you go, what you do, I'm always going to have a hand in your actions. And Esau was the one who was supposed to receive the promise of his father, the inheritance, because he was the firstborn son. But Jacob conned that inheritance away from him. But God did not forget Esau. And he promised him a land. And that land was the land of Seir. And then his land was that mountain or that range of mountains that Israel circled for 38 years of their journey. And God said that as you head northward into the promise, you're going to go through the land that I gave Esau. And understand this about them. They're going to be scared of you. Now, personally, I think that is not just divine revelation that God was giving to Israel, but I think it was a divine act that God did to the people of Esau. That they needed to cross that land without problems, so God put fear in their hearts. But even though God put fear in their hearts, that they would not mess with Israel. He told Israel not to hinder them and not to harass them. But can I share with you something about what happens to people when they're experiencing fear? They easily lash out. Because you see, when somebody is scared, the intensity of their emotions are, are on a high peak. They're quick to respond because they're scared that, that someone is going to do something to hurt them or take something from them that is important to them. And God needs Israel to know that as you pass through their land, don't do anything that's going to provoke these people. I'm making passage for you where passage was not allowed. But understand that if you do something to startle them, you may provoke a negative response. And I think God does that in our lives sometimes. That as we walk toward the promise that, that God has for us as a community or as individuals, that, that as he makes that way for us, that, that people see the holiness of God, not because of our goodness, but, but because of his spirit that lives in us. 
that they become fearful because they know that, that a holy people are coming through, that a people that, that God has set aside to do great and mighty things are coming into their community. And the best impact that we can have on them is to understand their fear and respect it. We have to be careful of how we respond to people when we're going to our promised land. And the other thing that God pointed out here is this. Is that when you go through that land, you're not just going to take from the people. But you're going to respect the land in which they live. And you're going to respect their communities. You're not going to take their food and their water. You're going to buy it. And I love that particular piece of passage uh, where he says that you shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. And I'm going to tell you why I love that piece of passage so much. And that's because people laugh at me quite often. But see, I'm not the first person in this world to buy water, though I buy it bottled. Israel bought water from the people they went through also. They didn't just drink from the well. They purchased their water just like I do. So that made me feel good about me and my purchases. But what God was really saying here was this. You're going to go through other people's lands, and you're going to see their blessings, and you cannot take your eyes off the promise that's in front of you. You keep moving toward that promise because you're almost there. And if you get in a hurry, if we forget to, to walk patiently and walk slowly with God, then we will take from the people instead of purchasing from them like we should. And I don't mean just take food and water, but we can take from them the livelihood of their community. But, you know, a community of people are put together by the hand of God. We do not live in Bloomingdale, Georgia, just by accident. God called each and every one of us as a people with a purpose and, and a personality to complement one another and to carry out his purpose. And if we move into other people's communities and, and, and disrespect their way of life because it's different from ours, or more likely because we're in such a hurry to get to where we're going, we're not sending a godly message to those people that we pass. You see, as Christians, it's, it's not just for us to, to live under the name of God. And it's not just for us to, to reap the blessings that God has for us. But it's for us to lead a lost and dying world to a loving and merciful God. You see, one of Israel's misunderstandings 
of being a chosen people is that they thought it made them more special and more valuable than anyone else around them. But the intent of Israel being called by God was that God would be known to all the world through them. And as we encounter these individuals and these different communities on our way to our promise, we have to remember that we're not just here for ourselves, but we're here to be a witness to those around us. And I think the other thing that we learn from this passage of Scripture is this. Stay focused on your promise. Whether as a church, a community, or an individual person. And don't get distracted by what you see when you pass by others. And I was the world's worst at that. Maybe you'll understand it this way. When I was going through my wilderness, I looked around at the people around me who were living in their promised land. And because of the lack of spiritual maturity, of faith I had at that time in my life I couldn't stay focused on my promise because I was so focused on what everyone around me had of their own you see that was their promise not mine but as you pass through those towns or as you go into your colleges and your places of businesses and your homes, as you're walking on your path, when you cling to what everyone else has, you lose sight of the life that you're living today. And you lose sight of the promise that God has for you further down the road because instead of living in today loving one another we will live in those moments wishing we were someone else who had something else therefore forfeiting our promise Stay focused on your mission. Stay focused on your vision and your hope because it's real, it's true, and it's pure, and it's not just your imagination running away from you like a song says. It is the promise of God that He put in your heart. He may not fulfill it today, 
He may not fulfill it tomorrow. It may be 10 years down the road. We walk today walking with God, being obedient. God is one step, one day, one moment, one month closer to what God has prepared for us. And when we get there, we experience freedom. The freedom to live the life that we want. The freedom to experience those things that that we hoped the promised land would be like. And I'll tell you this from experience. That when you get to that promised land, the fight and the struggle that you experience getting there will be replaced with peace. And that is God's promise. So Israel turned north to head toward their promise. Has God spoken to you this week? And said that that vision that you keep thinking isn't real. He says to you it is. Turn northward and don't look back. Don't quit and don't give up because your freedom may very well be just around the turn. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and as we close today's service, we ask that you be with us, Father God, and help us stay focused on our missions in life. Help us stay focused on those visions. We may not understand the circumstances and how it is that you work in them. But by faith, we know that you work in all things for the good of those who love God. And we know that even though we don't understand today, that that there's a day that will come that we can look back on our life and see how your hand worked to shape and form us as a people. to defy all odds, to tear down walls, and to remove impossibilities and replace them with the possible. Father God, as we close today, empower us. Send your Spirit to to each and every one of us, Father God, that we will know your will and know the path in which we are to walk. In Christ's name we pray.